Welcome to Talking Baseball. We've got special guest Jake Odorizzi on the show, and we're going to talk about the life of a pro ball player. What's going on, everybody? Thank you for joining us today and hanging out for a little bit. No Jake. It is John Boy, myself, and Trevor Plouffe. We are back in our respective homes. I'm in the Bronx. Trev's in L.A. It's feel good to be back. It feels really nice. I do miss the RV, but uh, it's nice to, like, shower in a nice shower, sleep in a big bed. So, yeah, I'm happy. Yeah. It was uh, – I didn't, I didn't get fully sick of the RV. Like I, yeah, it was neither. like it's like all right we can say goodbye but I'm not I don't need to right now so it was good how'd the how'd yeah, the little league game trip. go dude I was dog tired you know I think I told you guys but I missed my connector flight had to you know go late to Dallas wake up at six a.m. in Dallas fly home hustle back uh, but it was good man like the kids give you energy like they got they got energy in spades man so I got there and it was fine it was good is Teddy the ringer. Um, he's small, you know, cause he's young. So we have a couple guys that are bigger, like older that are, that are pretty good, but he's, he's working his way up. He's, he's good for his like size and age. He's pretty good. All right. There you go. There you go. Yeah. We have a lot of patrons. We need to thank at the start of this show. We have, and hang with me cause we were on the road and we weren't able to do this. We have one, two, three, Kelly, Horeth, Robert, Lado, Rural, Bob, Robbie Ferris. Bob, holy shit. Is that four Roberts in a row? Robert Lado, Rural Bob, Robbie Ferris, and Bob. Four Bobs in a row. Shout out to the Bobs. Jess Hastings, Mitchell Brunner, Anne Marie, Jamie Lopresti, Ari Zanger, Trevor Fafard. Wow, another Trev. Sean McGuire, Krista Marie, Alex Anderson, Charles Murray, Eli Simon, Kelby Lemons, Brian Renfro. Amy McAdam, Caden LaDuke, Tim, Scott Dahl, Eric Vanderpool, and Christian Ruzic. Ruzic, I don't know. Thank you very much to those people. We appreciate it. Especially Kelby Lemons. That was my favorite name. That was your favorite name? Yeah. Not the four Bobs? No, no. And then the other one, Vanderpool, kind of like I was feeling that one too. Vanderpool? Vander Pump Rules? Is that what that show's called? It is. It is. I've, I've actually seen that show. Well, you're an L.A. guy. Is that an L.A. show? It's more of like you're married and sometimes you have to watch what your wife watches. <laughs> <laughs> Just to be a good guy, you know. All right. So th- there was a conversation yesterday, Trev, when the Cubs were mic'd up. And Chris yes. Bryant said that his name when he used to check into hotels was Hamilton Porter. <laughs> and then they asked... Ross, Rossi, was like, hey, Skip, what was your alias when you checked into hotels? And his was Jake Taylor, which is the backup catcher, the catcher oh, from Major League, which is so perfect. Perfect. So that kind of goes with the theme of this show, which is just like yes. the life of a pro ball player. So I'm going to open it up. What was? Did you have an alias? I did. Uh, mine was Jimmy Page, uh, guitarist for Led Zeppelin. And that was an easy one for me to remember. But wait. Or isn't it supposed to be someone not famous? Like, wouldn't you then maybe have people bothering you who thought you were a Led Zeppelin guy? Is well, he dead? I mean, 
I don't think Jimmy Page was going to be like in Kansas City. You know, he's <laughs> he's over there in London doing his thing. But there's some funny ones. Like I think I could give some out, like guys that aren't playing anymore. Yeah. Um, Delman Young, his was Dixie. Okay. Last name Normus. <laughs> nice, Dixie Normus. <laughs> so I mean, that's 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 a, that's that's fun. You have to do it because you you'll get like strange calls from like agents, like random agents, which I have no idea like how a cold calling a hotel could ever work in an agent's favor, but they do it. Really, I was gonna ask like, it, do you really need an alias? Like, who's coming? I guess that's one answer. Agents, they so they'll just call hotels and be like, like if the twins are in Kansas City. They'll just call hotels and just start dropping like, "Hey, do you have a uh, Trevor Plouffe staying there?" And hopes I that yes, I, I I don't really know what the protocol is for hotels to like not let people just call, but like I I assume if you call a hotel and you ask for whoever, like don't they just connect you to the room? Yeah, but Damn. most guys have aliases, so they don't. Seems like a terrible way to go about being an agent. I I totally agree. You know, that's more like uh, like minor league. Okay. Uh, stuff. You know, these guys are like kind of on the ground floor trying to get in early, but um, yeah, just random stuff like that. So that's, I think that's the biggest reason why guys have it. And it's just like fun. Yeah. You know? That seems like it's really fun. Do you bag share- tag, same way. Like you don't want your name on the bag tag and all that stuff. So do you have your alias on the bag tag? Yes. Was anyone's alias so good that like you, did you just start calling Delman Dixie as a nickname? Yeah. He got called that a lot. People okay. loved his for sure. And then the you know if you if you start to like get guys to tell you what their alias is because you kind of have to guard it a little bit, then you can start doing some funny stuff like charging room service to their room and you know because you have the little itinerary that you get and have like the room list and stuff. So you know, oh two oh four, I know my buddy's there. Like let's just charge a movie or charge a you know this room service order to him. And most of the time, the guys don't even know. <laughs> And then you yeah. got to tell them. Is it their bill or is it the team's? No, it's their bill. You have to do like the incidentals and stuff. All right. Who was the biggest room service guy? Were you a big room service guy? I kind of was, to be honest with you. Um, more so like just if I was over it and tired, like you just, it's so easy just to do it. But man, I mean, anyone that goes to a hotel knows room service is crazy expensive, you know? So when you're in the show, it's like, yeah, whatever. It's not and you have deal, the public pressure to tip. You have the public pressure to, to tip oh, yeah. more because otherwise they'll just tweet out, MLB Twins, Trevor Poof is a cheap state. <laughs> I try to tip as uh, – I try to tip well. I did. And I don't understand, like, whoever, like, designed, like, the system for hotels and their room service, it's like service charge, delivery charge, automatic tip, and then they add, like, the additional tip line which is so bullshit, but like you said, can't be out here on the streets having people think you're cheap. No, yeah. So my, go, my go-to is like extra five bucks on the additional tip. You know, see you later. <laughs> like, All right, let's walk through a road trip then. Yeah. So say you have a weekend series and do we go into a fun city or a boring city? I think that's two let's, different let's things. Fun. All right, say you have a yeah. weekend series in New York City. Mm-hmm. And you have the Thursday beforehand off. Ooh. So do you arrive? Does the team arrive Thursday morning, and then you have the day off, or do you hang out wherever you were Thursday? It, it just depends. So like, um, 
say you played Wednesday day game and then you had Thursday off. It depends on your like your skipper and like kind of what your team mentality is. I've done both where like you'll fly in Wednesday, you know, have Wednesday night and the entire off day in the city. That sounds ideal because um, then you can go at, go after it Wednesday night if you want and have a full day of hangover recovery day. Guys love that, um, but sometimes it's like the fa- it's like family guys would rather be at home because <laughs> they don't want to oh, be okay. yelled at by their wives stuff like that. So, well, uh, if it's an off day between two away series, you could definitely do that. Oh yeah 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 okay. that's that's the best. So, yeah, like Wednesday. Say we left Wednesday. Yeah. Um, and we and like kind of the reason we're doing this is because this, these are some of the questions that every ball player gets asked. Like, tell me about the travel, tell me about the hotels, tell me about just the lifestyle, whatever. So, uh, Wednesday, you show up to the fields, and you're kind of rocking your plane attire. Like for me, it was we we had suits, but that's kind of gone by the wayside now. Like it's more like casual on the planes and stuff. But you wear what you're going to wear on the plane, and you pull up to the park. Yep. And you there's a big truck waiting for all your bags so basically you pull up put the thing in park there's someone there you pop the trunk they take the bag for you you know you throw them a little tip there it's usually one of the clubhouse guys and then you head into the ballpark so you didn't even touch your bag like that bag's gone it's like gonna go on the plane see you later go play the game hopefully you do well that's the best like you go have like a three for four game and then off day. And so you get to like just feel yourself yeah, for the next right. 24 hours before right. like you have to do it all over again. So uh, hopefully you have a good game. And then again, like your bags, like your clubhouse guy is going to pack your bag for you. So all of your away clothes are packed. You know, essentially all you're doing at that point is your extra stuff. So if there's like any special shirt you want to bring or cleats you want to bring, like that's the stuff you pack, but everything else is already packed for you. Your hats are already packed. Your helmets, your bats, all that shit is. Your child with a great mother again. It's insane. You know, the more and more I look back on it, um, you know, you really didn't do shit. But that's kind of, <laughs> that's what they want. They want you to focus on the game. Yeah. All right. You talked about playing, playing well before an off day. I have a question yeah. for you. Since Boone took over the Yankees. He loves giving guys back-to-back off days. So say Thursday's an off day, he would get get take two regulars like Didi and Glaber and give them Wednesday off. They don't play in the game on Wednesday. How would you have liked that as a player? How long does two off days go as far as like muscle recovery and mental recovery? Yeah, I think it's I think it's great. And I think it kind of differs on players and like where you're at in your season. Like if you're hot, like and you're seeing the ball well, you're like, "Fuck no!" Like, yeah, put me in there. Like, well, I'll get my day, and then. So I think those are. I bet. I bet if you looked, like when he was doing that, it, it was either like they had a ton of games in a row, mm-hmm. and it was like his way of just really making sure everyone got healed up, or these guys were struggling a little bit. Yeah, like I remember, you know, man, like Dozier before he went off and hit like a zillion homers that year. Um, they gave him an entire series off. Like Mahler was like, we're in Kansas city. You're not playing these next three games and like, just sit down, shut up, like be a fan. 
And he did that, had a little like readjust and boom, he went off. So like mentally, I think it's really nice sometimes to, to know that like, Hey, I got two days where I can just shut it off, man. Yeah. Or like if I want to go in the cage and like work on something, like I can just go bang it out and not have to worry about like the process into the game. So that's kind of good. But I think more so it's like get away from the game. Like, you know, just have a, have a reset, a mental reset. All right. But I do like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh he they do it every year now. So maybe maybe other teams do that too. I don't follow the schedules as closely. Yeah. So what if if you get into a, a state if you get into New York City for that weekend game and you get in Thursday night, right? And you arrive Thursday night cuz you played the getaway day Thursday, you fly mm-hmm. after the game, you're arriving like 9 at night. The Friday game's a night game. Are people going out that Thursday night with a night game the next day on Friday? You can, you can. Um, it kind of just depends, you know, who who they are. Yeah, especially starting pitchers. So, like, if they're not pitching, sure, they're going to go out. Um, the, the thing about like road games is you don't stretch until four o'clock. You know, maybe like four, even like four thirty. So, you could essentially go out till two in the morning, and then sleep till noon or one if yeah. you needed to. So, it's, I mean, guys, guys definitely do that. Um, but as you get a little bit older, it starts to catch up to you and shit. So, like, when, in my yeah. younger days, for sure, I was doing that 100%. It's probably not a good thing, though. Cece, uh, Sabathia, on R2C2, said that the Yankees, whenever there was a team coming into New York City for the weekend series, and it was there, and they were from a, a city that, like, Kansas City or mm-hmm. a, a city that didn't have a good nightlife or party scene, He's like, we, we would look around and be like, we better beat these fuckers, especially if they were yeah. young and you knew they were out partying. Like, there was something that they looked at on the schedule to, like, put in their brain. Do you, do you agree? I, I totally agree. And I think that I've, like, I've heard similar stories in other sports, too. Like, the, like in hockey, uh, the Vegas Golden Knights, like, they get that advantage because guys come in and just, like, wild out. Yeah. It's Vegas, and why not? Um, LA the Lakers kind of get that same effect. Like I got buddies that kind of, um, do a lot of the nightlife out here. So like they know, they know who's out. So they'll, they'll like name drop like guys that were out and like, just watch this guy's going to play terrible. He was, he was fucked up in my restaurant last night. (laughs) Like, you know, that's funny. Yeah. But, but you mean, you have to do stuff like that because you, you gotta, you gotta break it up. Like I said, mentally, I think it's the biggest thing. Like sometimes you just need to go out and have a night. Cause you're is there like every day you're just you know grinding 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 and every everyone's going to need a release is there a, is there a release police on each team is it like an assistant coach is it an older player is it like what the traveling what do you traveling mean? secretary like is there someone doing curfew checks is there someone oh, no, no. that gets on you like hey is there ever been a time where the manager has to be like no going out tonight like you no. know it's late august it's september like you could nothing. get, you could get, you could get like a pull to the side and be like, Hey man, like reel it up a little bit, like right. reel it in, you know, but they're never going to be like, you can't go out. You're, you know, they always say you're professional and this is your career. So if you want to fuck your career by going out every night, a la Baker Mayfield or something, you know? Yeah. I mean, Kobe used to say that he, he would like get on guys who were going out and not showing up early to work out and stuff like that. So there was yeah, no, once it starts affecting your like, your work, then yes, that's 100% people are going to get on you because they know. Yeah. 
All right. And but you know, not, a lot of the older guys love to hear the stories. The young guys come in, they're like, you know, tell me what happened last night. Let's hear it. And oh, living through the it, glory years. You have to, yeah. And and those guys, you know, it's all great. And then if they start playing shitty, it's like, hey, well, we know why. Yeah. So you know, how about like, um, I'm trying to dodge a word here. Okay. People that show up at hotels when they know baseball players are there. So you have the card collectors that are probably there when you get off the bus and then yeah. there in the morning when you get on the bus. There's probably some girls that are ch- yeah. going to hotel to hotel whenever players come in. Uh, is there another group of people or are those really the two that are like kind of hanging around? At the hotels? You know, I think that's changed a little bit too. Security, yeah, they don't just let people like hang around. You know, at least in my experience, you know, you'll have people in the lobbies, whatnot, but they try to keep it, uh, I guess, safe for guys. Are there familiar faces, though? Like, do you guys get used to like, all right, we're going to Detroit. That damn autograph seeker is going to be there. That's annoying as fuck. We got to dodge them. I, I mean, some, some, I guess some you would recognize just because they're always there. But I'm going to sound really mean right now. Just I'm gonna go for it. Okay. I like didn't look a lot of the guys in the like in the eye. You didn't want to be on that level with them. You know, if like the way they get you is you're just like you're going to the bus, like they just call your name and like you feel bad. So like every once in a while, like you just go over there and it's just like you know what they're doing with them. If there's kids, man, you interact with the kids and you 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 do the whole thing, but these autograph guys, I mean, like if you do decide to sign for them, I think most guys just go like, I don't think, I don't understand. Like you shouldn't feel bad saying that. Like these guys are making money off your yeah. signature and the way they get your signature is by hounding you. Hounding. Uh, Longoria was stalking really good with these guys. He would just be like, he would just yell at them essentially and ask him like, what, the F are they doing here? Like go, go to work, you know, like he was, he was, he was good with it. Like he didn't, he didn't give a shit probably because he got hounded more than, you know, most guys because he's well, on the raise. Yeah. But yeah, um, definitely stay away from that as much as you can. And they've made it harder and harder. I think they've started to understand like, um, uh, the potential risks there too. Like, you don't know who, you, what the freak <laughs> his uh, Trev's video just went out. <laughs> I can oh, hear man. you. St- I can hear you. Yeah, still. Well, I'm, I'm still going. Yeah, you don't know the potential risks that happen. You know, that they can happen. Yeah, I mean, I mean the the autograph guys. The autograph guys are just basically paparazzi. A lot of technical difficulties here on this episode, but we're persevering. We're just talking about how adult autograph seekers are basically paparazzi, and I don't think we should tiptoe around shaming them for what they do because they're just making money off professional players' names by hounding them and guilting them into signing. I'm anti-autograph sellers. Hard stance. I, I still feel bad, like, talking negatively about them. I don't know why. I don't know why. A lot of ball players do. They're nice. Like, they're always nice to you, and then you kind of feel bad. Like, you're just like, you know, it's basically telling them to go F themselves. I mean, if you, if you go to spring training, if you don't know what we're talking about, and you go to a spring training game and just get there really early – and then look around and see who your company is, and it's it's like sad. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I, I'm curious if people actually make money off this. Like a guy that's asking Trevor Plouffe for his autograph, like buddy, I don't think you're gonna make a lot of money on that card, you know. So 
Who knows? I guess the quantity thing, like you just got to get a bunch of them and throw them on eBay and see what happens. Oh, I mean, like say the Twins win the World Series, then you have like every twin signed this. I have every twins autograph, yeah. so I guess like that's their game. I'd rather do that than like the binder full of like 12 cards. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. Anyway, what about girls? You ever go to Detroit and they're like, oh, she's going to be here. Really? No. You know, I, I that wasn't my world because I was, you know, I, I was always wifed up. There was a girl who in Chicago was known for doing that with base, baseball players, and she shot a baseball player. <laughs> and then she went on to um, hooker shoots Cubs Whoa. baseball player. She went on to have her own Broadway show. Wow. Yeah. I've never heard oh, of that. This happened recently. Um, this also happened in 2012. Damn. Where, where was this at? Chicago? Yeah. back. It was like back in the 20s because the guy got <laughs> shot. The guy got shot. We did a whole thing on it last in the past because the guy who got shot then because the guy on the Cubs got shot, they had to trade for a player and they, they traded for this guy that was part of the 1927 Yankees, was a teammate of George of uh of Babe Ruth and then he was part of the whole Babe Ruth pointed and called his shot thing. But like the story starts with like this hooker, um nineteen I forget. There's been a lot of cases of that. She she meant to shoot one baseball player, couldn't find him, turned around, shot the next. So that hasn't Pretty been ballsy. your hasn't been your experience. I mean look, like am I gonna sit here and say there's just like not girls like around? Like of course there is. But <laughs> I can't, I like, I, it's just wasn't my area, you know, you know, I, I knew there was a few hotels where you'd go to and you knew like there was going to be people there that are yeah looking. Um, Detroit was one of them. Oh yeah. That's... Detroit was one of them. Yeah. Okay. And we stayed nothing like, else, nothing the, else going on. We stay outside of the city. And so like you just show up and there'd be like, I remember a few times like Three or four like girls like really just like dressed up like really nicely. Yeah. And then like one guy just like there. Ooh. And so like you kind of got the dynamic that was yeah. going on right there. But again, like maybe it's just my experience. I, I just never uh it was just like, what is going on here? Like get these guys out of here. Yeah. All right. So just for anyone that's very interested, the girl's name was Violet Popovich. And she shot Cubs shortstop Billy Jurgis in 1931. That's insane. Yeah, and then she 20s and she, 30s were that's a wild time. She went on to like do a Broadway play, like all about like the dame who shot the shortstop. That's hilarious. <laughs> that kind of makes sense. That kind of like goes with what's happens now. Like you can get famous for doing a lot of stupid shit. Yeah, yeah, and, and then turn it into something. And then because Billy Jurgis was out, they called up another shortstop. It's all this, all this shit. It's a cool story. Did it on laughs from the past. Babe Ruth's called shot. I'm going to check it out. Everything, we've been asking a lot of players this when we do the interviews. Who's your plane buddy? Because mm-hmm. it seems like that's a vital part of flying. Like the planes, as far as I know, these days, there's the cards crew. Yep. And then there's the like the just Netflix and doing your own thing crew. Yeah, there's that's a great dynamic, you know, on the plane. You're, you're absolutely right. There is always a card stable. And you'll have the cards. Like I was always at the card, the card table that was playing for money, and like 
you know, we play dealer calls, a ton of poker games, and you're doing that on the plane, and that's a lot of fun. Then you have the guys who are like like to play cards to pass the time, but they're playing stuff like spades or pasoy, and it's just like for fun. Okay, child's table. Yeah. Yeah. Then you have the video games guys, and that's that's kind of a newer thing where like you have these consoles. The guys bring like fucking screens onto the plane, and they have like their setup, and like they'll like legitimately just like set it up, and like you can hook them up. They play like Mario Kart against each other, or they're playing. Whatever the game is, I, I'm not a, I'm not a gamer. That sounds really fun, but also like a lot of a hassle. Are they having someone set that up for them? Is this like the bag situation? You know, like the only thing they'd have to do is just like bring that bag on a plane because it is like it's in like this collapsible case, and you just like it's like a briefcase, and they fucking open it up, and there's a video game screen. They do that, so you have those guys. Then you have the guys that just want to sleep. A lot of guys like whether it's they're nervous to fly or whatever, they're just tired. Like there's always the sleepers, bro. Like, yeah. Just get on the plane and they're gone. I could never do that. I wish, I wish I could sleep on planes, but I can't, I'm about to do a, like, as people are listening to this, I'm on doing two cross country flights in one day. I'm flying to Arizona in the morning, taking the red eye back. Then, then Friday, Jake and I got to record in the morning and I'm not going to be able to sleep. I'm gonna, I might try to do a weed gummy on the plane for the first time. I'm always too scared. I don't want to like knock myself out. I don't want to be too silly on the plane. You, you have any experience with that? I do. (laughs) I didn't want, I was about to just. No, it's okay. It's okay. Look at the hat I'm wearing. Okay. It's about to say you just flew high. (laughs) I did. I did. And it helped me out a ton, man. Okay. um, I don't think we should be ashamed about talking about that, Jim. You know, I just didn't know. I didn't want to be the one to share that story of yours. I think it's pretty well known that like I partake. Okay. <laughs> well, it's funny. Like when we, when we talked with you the first time you were saying how guys would get drunk every night and then they'd have like a hangover and they'd be like, you know, they'd get into trouble with girls or fights or whatever. Yeah. And they'd look at you or anyone that smoked weed and was like, dude, you can't do that. And yeah. you're like, all I do is get high and sit on the couch. Like yeah. the drinking's way worse, it which is, is way true. Worse. And that's a stigma in baseball. It's like so ridiculous. Like you'll get guys that they, they'll crack like three or four beers right after the game. And there's nothing wrong with that. I get, you know, every once in a while, but that catches up to you, dude. And you know, we're both, we're both in our thirties and like, you yeah. can't recover the same way when you're like when I was 20, I could crack three or four beers and be totally fine. When we were on the RV trip, like we drank a couple of beers every night, but I never really got like drunk. Yeah, we know. We know. We know not to do that anymore. We're smart because I can't. I don't yeah. function the next day. Yeah, it's, it's uh, the, the weed gummies can definitely help. And that's okay. something that's uh, especially now, like we're getting we're getting more and more lenient uh, in baseball with with cannabis. So, um, I think it's going to help. You know? Okay. Good. It sounds good um, to me. But so I'll do that. That, that so, kind of brings me to, I yeah. wanted to talk about the food. Cause I okay. think that's people ask me all the time about that. And then my wife yells at me because she says I've been institutionalized. Okay. So once you, once you're in baseball, I mean, there's a few things that happen. You have a schedule every, every day and they tell you what to do. So all you got to do is just do your routine, do your schedule. That's it. Play the game. You don't have to think about anything because they don't want you to think about anything. They just want you to think about baseball. So one of the reasons I that or one of the ways I'm institutionalized that I get yelled at all the time is I 
or baseball players are grown, they get accustomed to like a big spread of food, like an array of food. You show up to the ballpark, whether it's breakfast and you can have, make your own omelet station, you have donuts, you have, I mean, anything you can think of, you're going to have. You just walk into buffets everywhere you go. You just walk in, you're like, oh, I don't really feel like that. Can you make me this? Or like, oh, this looks good. Oh, but I'll have like some of this, some of that. And that's every damn meal at the stadium. Um, and then, so now I'm done playing and like my wife will make me like a couple eggs and I'll kind of look at her like, you know, that's all we got. <laughs> where's my fruit bowl of cut up beautiful fruit that's presented beautifully. And, you know, where's like my six choices of, of proteins? Like, you know, let's go. And I know now not to say anything. Cause yeah. a few times she's like, you're an idiot. Like you stop being a spoiled baseball player like go make your own fucking bacon (laughs) (laughs) dude i mean sounds like the life dansby swanson on the show was telling us the cook for the braves and spring training at least like knows all of their personal preferences and dietary restrictions so if she makes this meal she'll also have this special plate just for dansby (laughs) i mean you You guys are just fucking babied baby after the game say we're talking getaway days now right so yeah. you play the game you have your spread and typically like on getaway days they really try to like go and like go above and beyond because that's tip day oh tips in right nice. so you're gonna get like the, the prime shit on your last day so you have that food and a lot of guys are like fuck i, I don't even want to eat because i was just up for a game you know like I, i'm not hungry right now so you pass that over. You're like, oh, maybe I'll grab something. Uh, get on the plane. More fucking food. Here's the menu of food we have on the plane. And do you want this? There's always like some specialty item from the city that you play in. So like if you're in Kansas City, they're going to have like some sort of barbecue. Mm-hmm. Like pre-takeoff yeah. food. Uh, okay. And then once you get up in the air, they have the other fucking food. Damn. A lot of guys don't like to eat on the plane. So then it's. Where are we going to dinner? Where's the show dinner at? If we're in New York, you know, are we going someplace that's amazing? Are we ordering room service? I would I always go to Ray's Pizza. Okay. Just crush it. So it's a big food, man. Now that I really think back on it, food is such a huge part of these days. You kind of, there's no shortage, man. They just want to stuff your face. Well, and you're athletes so you like need all you can take all the calories and you're working out every day and stretching every day and doing all that shit and you go from the minor leagues where you're literally slapping together a couple pieces of bread and pb and j to this beautiful spread and then you'll see a ton of guys like as soon as they get called up they'll probably gain they'll probably gain three four five pounds no doubt (laughs) just because it's it's like the freshman 15 in college it is there jim like even if you're not even if it's like not timed for like food to be put out, there's still just like shit available everywhere. So I've heard you talk about it and heard every player talk about it. That Yankee stadium away clubhouse is the best restaurant in New York city. (laughs) Guys say guys love the food at Yankee stadium. Who's the worst? My guess is Oakland. I don't want (laughs) to, that's tough for me to say because these guys work their ass off. So like the guy in Oakland, Mikey, he, he does everything he can with what he has at his disposal. You yeah, know, sure. just, he just doesn't have the the means to do something like the Yankees do. You know, yeah, like he's in there and he's got his electric stove and he's cranking out everything and like you're gonna get the in and outs, you're gonna get the Mexican food, 
Um, but they, you know, you go to Yankee Stadium and they got a full professional kitchen back there. So you can get whatever you want. I would always get a pastrami sandwich and it was delicious. That's where you get at the Yankee uh, Stadium? Yeah. Did you have sandwich. certain did you have certain meals every like stadium? Like Kansas City, you're getting barbecue? Somewhat. Yeah. We would try to like Kansas City, there's a place called um Oklahoma Joe's, I think. And it's like a gas station place, like one of those. So we'd always like send a guy out, like, hey, get fifty sandwiches and, and then bring him back. So you'd always kind of do that, stuff like that. Um What about Seattle? Fish? Seattle's really good. They have a good uh, they have a good chef there that he'll um, he'll cook you whatever you want. They also have a, a keg of Manny's Pale Ale, which was my favorite. So after the games, man, and just go there, pour yourself a beer, and it was that's that's a life for me. All right, not bad. So you're just spoiled. They take your bags for you. They cook take for you. Bags, cook give for you, you everything. Fly, you pick you up. You know, the best thing, we always talk about like double ear flap helmets and single ear flap helmets. Another great thing that as you climb up the ladder that happens for you is you get your cleats cleaned. I know that sounds like stupid, but low level minor leagues, you don't really get that done. So like you'll see guys walking around with scrubbing bubbles in their bag and like, because you don't want to look like, a, you want to look professional. You don't want your cleats all fucked. I'm a big fan of dirty equipment. So when I buy new shoes, I just walk through the grass right away. It's a self-conscious yeah. thing. I don't think I'm worthy of having anything new. Like <laughs> like my hockey equipment, I bought the last set of hockey equipment I bought was when I was 15. And I used that up until two years ago in men's league. Like I hate, I know I just hate new stuff. My brother's the opposite. He loves new stuff. Like, do you remember John Wetland for the Yankees wore the same hat all season? Yeah, it was disgusting. It's disgusting. I love that shit. <laughs> I'd, so I'd, I think I'd be one of those people. I could see that. You know, sometimes I won't even allow you to do that. You know, I like, can understand why. You look gross. <laughs> you look gross. I, I would uh, pine tar like my helmet, like get like yeah. a logo, like really pine tar just because I thought it looked cool and I was trying to be show. And then, and then <laughs> it wasn't natural wear and tear. Oh, just, no, dude. I would just, you would just get in there. Anybody, <laughs> let me tell you this, dude. Anybody that has like all the pine tar all over everything, that is on purpose and like they're just for show it's not natural no what about like robinson cano and some batters always have the pine tar in their back from resting their bat yeah. are they doing that to look cool or is that no natural? that's on accident but that's that is just because they want their bat to look cool okay like that's one of the that's one of the more fun things you can do as a hitter like you get your bats in and all of a sudden it's like all right now i got to get them ready so like I had a process, you know, I would do like the stick pine tar first, really lather it on there. I would even tape like the edges. So oh, like, it would be perfect. Lined up. Lined up. Then you put the real pine tar on it. Then you put the rosin on it and you just get it. It needs to sit for a day. Then it's perfect. But really, I mean. Yeah, but that's just kind of like a mindset thing. It's like hockey players taping their sticks. Exactly. It's just it's something exactly to do like, to keep yeah. your mind. It's like therapeutic in a way and all that stuff. That's cool. Yeah. I would do like the helmet thing, do it all over my helmet. And then, so I would get it perfect. Like it was just like gunked up. I look like a ball player, you know, whatever. And then you show up one day and they'd fucking clean it off. Damn. It's like, dude, stop. You know, I don't stop cleaning. <laughs> I'm trying to but look, I'm trying to I'm look try, show here. I'm trying to look show. I think that's a good, like, we always talk about like, you know, what, what can we do on our social and stuff? And I, I we talked about a little bit on the trip, like the glow up. Yeah. 
because you love dirty stuff. So like the minor leagues would be perfect for you. Yeah, no, I mean, it sounds the eating part and the sleeping on buses and living with five guys in one apartment or whatever. That sounds pretty shitty. Like, who's the showest guy for you? Like, who's the guy that you think, like, wow, that guy looks like a big leaguer? Like, and he's, like, his uh, uniform's good. Like, he wears a good uniform. On the Yankees? Sure. I mean, that's where I'm naturally going to go. I don't know. There's, like, It's I, tough on the Yankees because they, like. They all kind of do it. So, who's your guy? It's more like, so, Brandon Drury came over to the Yankees. Oh, yeah, I know him. And Jake and I just watching a couple spring games because he he didn't stick for a while. He went blind and then he got sent down the minors and all that. But we were just like, damn, he looks like a ball player. Just his presence in the box and his presence at third base and the way he wore his uniform, we were like, that dude looks like a pro ball player. I don't know why. I can't really explain it. I'm surprised that guy hasn't taken off because I thought the same thing when I saw him. Like, he's got – he just looks the part. Yeah. But it would be funny to do the glow up, like show him in his minor league uniform. Because it's impossible, dude, to make your minor league uniform look cool. Especially when they have you dressing up in cartoon characters and shit. It's never going to happen. Then you get to the show and it's like, bro, the difference. The difference is crazy. Dude, it's the double ear flap. It's the weird uniforms. Pants don't fit. Is that a thing? So how about uniforms? I think we got to wrap this up soon. But uniforms, like when you get up there and you get to the big leagues, do they just guesstimate your size? Is it exact measurements? Are they just giving you like medium, large, uh, 30, no, they, 32, 34, 36? Like what is it? They, you get fitted in spring training. So like they'll have, it used to be the Majestic people. So I guess it's the same it's Nike people now, but they'll come and they just, they measure you and they say, do you want your pants tapered? That means they can. Yeah. Do you want them bottom. tight as fuck like Verlander or do you want them show? You can do whatever you want. And what did you do? What, what, I would just kind of like have a measure me and just make sure they fit right. But then, you know, the open bottom look was popular. It's kind of going away now. Like people are getting more like trim pants, but like the baggy open bottom look was really in. So before you would have to cut the, the rubber band on the bottom of your pants and then like stretch them out a lot to get that oh, open okay. look. But then they started like saying, okay, we'll just do it for guys. So you could like get the open pant look. And then if you wanted them to stay over your shoes, they would cut like the side of your pants and like, and do like this hemming process and just get it like super dialed in for you. So yeah, they, they have like specific pants for you. It's going to have your names stitched in the back, all that crap. So it's going to, they want you to look nice. They want you to feel good. There was uh like Rizzo wears baggy pants. Mm-hmm. Did you wear and Verlander wears the tightest pants ever? So like those are like he's saying, hey, I like them real tight. Yeah. Okay. Have you seen the Harper pants? Those are I feel like those are kind of like the next big thing. How Harper's wearing his pants right now? It's almost like they're tight, and then like they're like on the oh, ankles, they're, they're tapered. Yeah, they're they're like joggers. They're like exactly. I think that's going to be the new trend because guys want to show their kicks off. You want to Dude, yeah, I'm looking at pictures of Harper right now, and he's there. He's turned baseball pants into joggers. Yes, interesting. So, like I said, it was for a while. It was like, give me the biggest, baggiest pants you could find because that's cool. Yeah, but CC Sabathia still wears. He was wearing parachute pants. (laughs) What would you do? I I wouldn't care about looks at all. I just care about comfort. So, like, I wouldn't do joggers. That seems uncomfortable. I think I'd do like. I was looking at pictures of you, like just kind of like tapered down, but not tight. Yeah. I don't want to be all tight out there. I, people, you know, 
I guess I didn't have the best. Sometimes I felt like I looked good in the uniform, and sometimes I felt like I didn't. So that's life, man. But it's life. I would go high socks. I don't think I'm good enough to go high socks, but I liked whenever I played in high school, I went high socks. It's the most comfortable thing. Another fashion. We we saw this a little bit on our trip. The new fashion thing guys are doing. It's the it's pregame short pants. So the high sock pants. Um, hold on, keep getting getting called right here. Pregame. Oh. Short pants, and then it's like you don't even wear socks. You wear leggings, and then over the leggings you put like crew socks. Okay, that's the new look. Weird. It's like yeah, so you have like cool looking socks, like you know, like Stance, the company Stance. They do a bunch of like cool stuff for MLB. So yeah. you have short pants, your leggings that are usually like black or whatever, and then you have like the crew socks. And people are just like flexing, dude. Like it's become such a flexing league. It wasn't that. Well, it's good. Before. They need that. They yeah. need to get. They need to get the fashion going and all that. What about, what about a, uniform after the game? Like, is it just you just put it in the hamper and then when you show up the next day, it could be the same exact uniform. It could be a brand new one. You have no idea. Usually it's the same one, but yeah, that's that's another show thing. Minor leagues, you have a loop, and you so you put your pants and your jersey. Those go in just naked. You just throw them in, and then everything else you'd have to put on a loop. So, like, you get the loop back the next day, and the good clubbies would take the shit off the loop and hang for you, but a lot of them aren't good clubbies, so they would just, like, hang the loop up, and all your stuff is just, like, wrinkled and gross and Ew. whatever. But in the show, everything's loose. Just throw it in there. And they, they like, they like put your name on everything, too, so they know which is yours, but it's just – that much easier. They baby you that much more. So you're just like take your shit and throw it in that fucking hamper. Your home white jersey. Yes. How many different versions of that do you think you wear over eighty one home games? Say you wear it seventy of the eighty one home games for the twins. Mm-hmm. Is it one jersey you're wearing all seventy games? Do you have any idea? It yeah, I think it just depends. You know, if there's a rip or they want they want to take it, you did something good in it. Um but I, I I'd assume it's mainly the same one. Can you request, like, if you have a rip, but you're seven for your last ten, can you be like, hey, don't change out my jersey. I need that rip. Yeah, you can say that for okay. sure. You'll see a lot of guys, like, it's interesting. If you Now that we're talking about it, I want everyone to like, kind of go look at everyone's uniform. Like, the patchwork is strange how they do it. It like, kind of doesn't look that great. Um, it's like all these, like, squiggly little lines. Like, if you bust your knee, like, you slide, you bust your knee open, they, like, go in from behind and, like, it, like, I don't even know what they do, but it doesn't look clean. Okay. It's not like a clean patch. No, it's, I don't even, that's just how it happens. Um, but you'll see a lot of guys, especially guys that steal bases. You go ahead and like, look at their knees and like their butt. You're going to see like this weird squiggle patchwork. Yeah. All right. We'll do. All right. I think, uh, I mean, you have anything else we didn't talk about? That was good. There's some more stuff we'll get to next time, but maybe Jake uh, has some questions for next time. I think it's fun to like get in and talk about some of the stuff because I do. These are questions that you get asked all the time, so yeah. maybe we'll answer them. All right, cool. And then we do have an interview with Odorizzi coming up. We sat down with him in the club's, pff, the Twins' clubhouse, the club's twin house, mm-hmm. and uh, chatted a little bit. So here is that. On this episode of Two Jakes Talking, it's <laughs> myself and Jake Odorizzi. Am I saying Odorizzi right? Correct. Do people 100%. slaughter it? Yeah, but yeah. more so when I was younger than now. It's kind of, I guess, a little more common. Okay. No, well, now, but 
I've heard just about every pronunciation you can imagine. So when people like trail off and don't commit to it, I, they, I know they're <laughs> trying to get to me. Jago, that's my specialty. <laughs> yes, is Odo the nickname? Yes, yeah, it's short and simple, and I think everybody can get that one. I but, like uh, that. I like that. Yeah, so we Chris. chatted. We chatted with you earlier today. Pitchers have camp pretty easy, huh? Yeah, I mean, if I just could have left after I was done playing catch, I would have been out of here <laughs> to catch like a breakfast at some place still. But, uh, no, there's a lot of work to be done after the fact. Like, you know, got to get treatment, uh, workout, that whole sort of thing. This, the unsexy stuff, the stuff the behind the scenes, that's the important stuff. So we got a lot of time to do that. So there's not a lot of, um, you know, we, we got – you got to do it. That's kind of what it boils <laughs> down to. Have, have things changed in camp from last year with the whole – a lot of the coaches have left and you got new coaches. Is it the same philosophy, just guys bumped up, or is it com- anything completely new? Um, everything's pretty relatively the same with Rocco. Rocco kind of didn't shift anything, but we've had, you know, not too many times I've seen this many coaches leave and go different areas, um, off of major league staff and good for them though, that they get different opportunities. Um, you know, I've been with Sheltie for a long time and I see him get a manager job is really cool and he'll do great to it. And, you know, he was a finalist for this job before Rocco got it. So, um, there's a lot of people over there that are really happy that he's got that job and, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess that's a good thing when your coaches kind of get poached a little bit. It means you're doing things the right way, and uh, yeah, happy for them all. You, yeah, you you said it right at the end there. If you're winning, then people start poaching you, and that's yeah. how it goes a little bit. We, uh, Jim, John, I should mention John Boy and Trevor Plouffe are here. Um, <laughs> by the, but besides the two Jake show, um, but uh, we'll just keep running it anyways. Uh, we we talk some pitching stuff, and dude, like that's awesome. Like we we love that stuff because. Uh, you know, we talked like, I won't even say analytics light. It was like analytics light light. And you were talking, yeah. you know, some spin rate stuff. How uh, how much do you get into that? And how much do the Twins organization get into that? Or, you know, does it boil down to you? Or how does that work? Yeah, I think, I mean, we alluded to it a little bit earlier. But with Wes being in charge now, I think they've taken more of an analytical side. And we have a lot of these cool toys that you you know you hear talk about force plates and rap sodos trackman edutronic so i think that's pretty generic with the, the last three in just about every camp now but um the the problem with all the analytics you have to have somebody to to decipher it for you kind of what we had spoken about earlier it's you just can't buy it and you're automatically going to be better <laughs> you have to know what you're looking for as a player and then b you're going to have guys that have to be able to interpret it because there's so much information if you really take a deep dive into things um you get lost really quickly and kind of transform yourself into a pitcher you can't be or you're not supposed to be. So there takes a little bit of uh, brain power from the pitcher as well to know I need maybe an improvement here. I could improve in these areas as opposed to, hey, this is all your data. Let's make it all better. Like that's just not a realistic aspect to it. But uh, we got a lot of good people here that know how to you know to make the little tweaks and get you you know maybe a little bit more. You know what you're looking for as opposed to um you trying to figure it out yourself who's doing that here for you because when i was in philly that was kind of where i saw analytics really being brought down to the clubhouse Cause a lot of times it'll it, it used to stay in the front office which was didn't make any sense to me because yeah. if you have these numbers you want your players to improve these numbers it makes sense that you would have to go tell them the numbers and that just wasn't a thing so in philly we had sam fold and he was kind of mm-hmm. like a player liaison he was the perfect guy for that super sam S- super sam mm-hmm. smart dude and relatable so he'd bring the numbers down he'd talk to us about it what we should do to improve you know what whatever is there anybody that's doing that here so we're all doing that in the locker room now we have our analytics team that's 
on a daily basis with us. They have a little room off to uh, where Nate's at in his little video room across mm-hmm. the hall. That's their little area. And with with Wes being here in his background with analytics, we have Colby and Frankie who do our he, uh, Frankie does like the infielders and hitters, and Colby does the pitching side. He and Wes were together at Arkansas, so they kind of have that mashup of what they're looking for already. So it's a lot easier that he brought a guy that's up to speed with what he's looking for instead of training a new guy. So they're pretty good at interpreting all that data themselves and then bringing it to us, but giving it the more simple, the layman's terms to it as opposed to, hey, uh, your vertical y-axis is mm-hmm. uh, a negative two today. Usually we like it at that plus one. You know, it's like, hey, you're a little arm side today. We need you to be a little more glove side. Like, that's that's the way to do it. But that, they're pretty – I think they took that into account when they got, like, this the group that they have together yeah. because, like you said, with if you don't have a guy like Sam and uh, just like you, I was fortunate enough to play with Sam just like mm-hmm. I was you. Shout out to Trevor's playing days. Um, in, in, but he, yeah, my first year in Tampa, I got to talk with Sam, and you could already tell he was already in that mindset of – He's going to be a good front office weapon, essentially. Like he can do anything you need him to do. Yes. So having that guy is invaluable to a team when you can make your team better, and then he's a sought-after guy after that. Like he'll be mm-hmm. a GM at some point. Absolutely. He'll he'll do a lot of great things. But, uh, yeah, we got a few of those guys here that, you know, down the road when you see them in a front office, you'll be like, well, I'm not surprised at that because they're such a good mind that, you know, what they were doing now, they have a capacity for way more than that. Yeah, you came from Tampa where – all the coaches got poached, <laughs> including the one, the manager here, Rocco, yep. who's done an amazing job. And now it seems like Twins are kind of turning the coaches over as Sheltie goes to, to Pittsburgh. What's the one thing that, since you've come here, you think they've helped you improve on? Like, what is is there a, a statistic or something that you were doing that they've improved on, or are you just trying to hone in on what you were already doing? I think getting back to what I was doing when I was at my best is what I've, I've kind of learned here with Wes. Um, he, there's another gentleman I work out with in the offseason. His name is Randy Sullivan. He does mm-hmm. the Florida Baseball Ranch, and he's got a PT background, but he's got the pitching side of it as well. So he can compre- he can make these programs for guys, help you with your mobility, get you back mechanically sound how – you know, you may have been had an injury or whatever it is. You get out of whack and break those habits. So I had already started all this stuff, and then when Wes got hired on here, Wes and Randy used to work together at the Texas Baseball Ranch. So what Wes was wanting everybody to come in here and do, I was already three months into it. And so I kind of got an early crash course on how getting more out of your body is what Wes is all about. So your movement patterns, your mechanics, your – you know, you can take your stuff up by not doing anything differently, mm-hmm. by, you know, not gaining arm strength, whatever it is, but the way your body moves is can be tweaked. And that's what I've been able to do is kind of get that separation, a little more flexibility. And now I'm creating just that little bit more of a rubber band effect, which has made my velo go up, which helps everything else out. As we know, um, it's just kind of been one of those things where it lined up perfectly for me. Like, who would have thought the guy yeah. I was working with is almost a clone of the pitching coach that just got hired on. So... I'm very fortunate and, you know, right spot, right time. But, uh, you know, I definitely feel like I'm back to better than where I was when I was at my best. All the preparation analytics and stuff that goes into projecting or changing or tweaking, what's the result data that you judge your past seasons on? Is it still ERA? I know it used to be wins, kind of got away from that. Yeah. Is there something you look at that, like, the first stat you go to? So, first stat that I had to go to now is the ERA plus stat, just because it's one of those blanket ones, but I like it a lot better than, I like, FIP, XFIP, and the, 
I'll give you a good view of my thoughts on analytics and those type of numbers. Like it seems like there's whatever number is a positive, there's going to be the next year is going to be the negative of that. So they almost cancel each other out. Mm-hmm. You know, if you can't be good at everything. And I think no. that's the way that, you know, whoever's making these stats or getting these formulas, it's if one gets too high, they have to rain, you know, rain it back in. Like it's almost like a betting system. Like, oh, this guy's plus 500. We need to bring him down a little bit. We need to take some points away, <laughs> whatever it may be. But I think ERA plus is one of those things where there's not a, you know, there's an ERA minus, but it's a lot more confusing than whatever, whatever it is. So I like the positive side of computing everybody's stats, taking the ballparks and all that into effect. And then you kind of know how you size up against the rest of the league where, you know, FIP, FIP's kind of, the, my view of that is like an imaginary stat. Like it's, oh, this should have happened. Yes. Yeah. This, <laughs> this sh- you know, maybe you got to, it was the bases loaded. You punch out the next three. You, you know, you worked your ass off. You got out of it. But statistically speaking, you should have given up one and a half runs. So that counts against you, even though you had a positive outcome. But to each to each stat, like I said, there, it seems like there's a counter stat now. So what what's going to be important? It's one of those things where players are going to go on the positive side. But if you're using it against a player in a you know an arbitrary setting, they're going to use the negative side of it. So you know, it's what's next. Who knows? But that's the one I think is more of a tell all than. It factors in everything, not just, you know, your your wins, your ERA, your walks, your strikeouts, your hard content. Like, there's just there's just so many things you can look at. And what's important to each pitcher, I think, is the type of pitcher that you are. If you're a strikeout guy, you want to look at, you know, your batting average against could be very low because that means you have great stuff, whatever it may be. Um, if you're a contact guy, you want your ground ball rate to be really high. I'm a fly ball guy, so I want my home run rate to be down because that means that they're fly balls, they're not home runs. So that's the kind of things personally that I look at. Are you fingers crossed about the balls coming up? <laughs> I mean, I, I I don't want to even say what I'm thinking right now because <laughs> I don't want to jinx anything. But um, you know, I, I I'll, I'll I'll leave it at I did pretty okay last year with <laughs> there you go without you know with a ball being a Missile. Bouncy ball, yeah. um, a Titleist or whatever we're going to call it. So I, I don't know. I was pretty okay with it. So if they want to keep it that way, it, it did okay for me last year, but I don't want to. Have you felt a difference this year in spring? I, it's, spring's so weird. Like you're, Everything feels weird in spring. Yeah. So I, I need that like season to roll around where it actually says Major yeah. League Baseball, not <laughs> Florida spring training logo because, you know, maybe they just put, put different stamps on different, different <laughs> situations. But it's um, – just one of those things it's like uh, i'm trying to think of a good analogy for it like uh what's the what's the word i'm looking for for a like a conspiracy theory so you know it's people believe it pitcher we feel a difference whatever it is the the outside world says different so it's like (laughs) is there is there a bigger thing that you just don't want to admit to and it's fine if it does Our, our whole thing too of last year at baseballs was if there's a change, just say it. Yes. It's not that yeah. big of a deal. Everyone's got the same system, whatever it is. If there's a difference, great. Whatever. You know, just just go out and say it because it boils down to it affects a lot of things. You know, if you're gonna work on a arbitration system, which I was, you know, very mm. beneficial of when I went through it, but you know, that stuff matters. So if a a new ERA is a three is now a four, but guys are in that four range and the balls are you know higher than it should have been a three. Like there, sh- there needs to be 
tweaks to the pay scale, whatever, maybe hitters same way. Now everybody's a 30 home run guy <laughs> and it's, uh, you know, the market for power hitters is much lower now. Like power hitters are getting paid less because there's more of them. So, you know, there's, there's real life aspects to those changes as well. I think that doesn't get maybe brought up as much as just the pure, Hey, we hit 800 home runs last year. That's really, yeah. that's really good for baseball. <laughs> I think in power hitters, you, you got a couple dudes here. A few of them. Um, I, I got I got like part A part B. If those dudes go out and they put up a five spot early, are you same mentality or is it kind of? I feel like there used to be this old school approach. You think of like David Wells, and it's like, hey, you know, if we've got a big lead, I'm just gonna throw fastballs and get through that. Has that kind of changed a little bit? Or with these dudes, is there a little bit of a mindset change? And then who's the dude you look at on this team and you're like? <laughs> good thing we got that guy because <laughs> we just sat next to Sano yeah. and he was three of me yeah he's a large a large <laughs> he's a human big man and he's gotten smaller yeah. so <laughs> that's uh <nuts. laughs> that's, that's a big thing too but um you know for to answer the first part of your question there's been games where I, I pitch and it's four nothing before I even take the field right. so um mindset wise I, I don't know too many David Wells out there anymore they're just gonna have the groove heaters and right. we've yeah, those, yeah. we've <laughs> we've seen <laughs> Trevor Plus you, you can see five five runs happen pretty quickly on a non-good offense if you're just you know le- trying to pitch the contact and a lot of guys you know the pitch to contact thing is almost like an like an albatross anymore right. like it's a it's a rare thing that somebody's just gonna go out there with a 90 mile an hour pitch just what we call it generic and throw the ball over the plate because it gets it gets beat around now you got guys just waking up and rolling out of bed throwing 100 so that's um I think really now like pride plays into it because you know each day is such a can be such a special day and you want to go out there and make the most of, of each day and now especially you know the the ugly terminology is you know people get paid a lot of money to do really well so yeah. at, w- at what point is it you know all right let's just speed this game up let's right. get through it and then when it compares to you know maybe you go out and you punch out 12 that day and you go eight and it's like all right it's 14 to nothing but our starters just having a career day along with our offense so um that's kind of my mindset on that and then <laughs> secondly we have like Sano, Nelly and then those two, I think, are the biggest when it comes to, like, a show to put on. Right. Um, the other day we had a, a BP group of Nelly, JD, Rosie, and Sano. And I think <laughs> that they honestly had to come in and get more baseballs because they were just peppering balls off buildings out there and everything along those lines. So we got a we got a pretty good uh, power hitting team. But we can off probably put together a pretty good offensive line also. Yeah. We, uh, we all, we've been talking a lot about the home runs and the offense. And then so you – as a team, set a record, a major league record for home runs in a single season, and then you go out and you sign Josh Donaldson to add to that lineup. So you know you guys are going to score runs, but talk about like what Josh brings on the defensive side because you know pitchers need that. Yeah, you know you kind of you don't live and die by your defense, but it's a big part of what you do. Have you been able to see him like move around? He's I think he's thirty four years old, mm-hmm. and we t- we watched him today, and the way he moves, he's just he's so athletic. And what does that do for you when you know you have a guy like that at third base ready to just gobble up all the ground balls? Yeah, I mean, it shortens the game just by having a guy that you know that's going to be making the plays but also making those tough plays too. Like the average major leaguer is going to make all the plays that are to them, you know, maybe an error here or there. But it's the guys that can do that little bit extra, but it's almost like a given that they give that little bit extra. So 
all the prime, you know, Arenado, Chapman, um, those two especially. I mean, those are the platinum, you know, Gold Glove winners year in and year out. You expect them to make those great plays, and it's almost like a, you know, it's a. <laughs> if they don't make it, you're almost blindsided by like, all right, what do I, what do I do now? Um, but I, I think over the years watching him in Toronto, playing against him all those years, it's like his defense always stood out to me because. He's one of those guys, he always made it look smooth, and he has a great arm to go along with it. So he just knows, for a guy that has such a great bat like that, to have that good of a you know a glove on him that never gets talked about because he's such a talented hitter is a rare, uh, you know, a rarity. And he's always in the top, like, three of third baseman. He's never, I don't think he's ever won a gold glove, but Mm-mm. he's been, he should be right up there every single year. So... And I think Miggy deserves a lot of credit, too, for, you know, kind of vacating third base and yep. saying yep. in his pursuit, our pursuit of him is like, hey, I'm happy to move to first base. So goes to show you that, you know, it, he's a team player and he's willing to adjust to a new position because he knows the type of player that J.D. is. Yeah, as big as Miggy is, you guys saw him. I mean, <laughs> he can move. Yeah. He's one of those guys. It's very surprising how well he can move for his size. And a absolute howitzer, too. Yes, he's got a great arm. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Longoria... Ploof and now Donaldson. <laughs> I mean, you have been, you just had some wow. great. I've been very blessed at the at the hot corner, you might say. And how how did your guys' friendship start? Was it in was it when you went to Tampa? Yeah, Tampa. Did you hate him? You're like L.A. No, there's not a lot. There's I'm I'm the type of I don't make any judgments until I meet somebody. <laughs> but um, no, you you get along. You know, you're around long enough. You play against guys, and it's like the the one guy that I had a mindset of like a, a preemptive thought before I even met him it was a positive way it was Joe Maurer like he was yeah. the only guy that I've ever th- not known that I was like that dude's got to be the greatest dude in the world <laughs> and and he lo is. and behold I meet him and play with him for a year and he is like the the man's man the all-american guy and exactly as I had pictured him so that's the only time that it's ever I've been ever been right on having a judgment before meeting somebody so um. it makes you mad how nice he is <laughs> like you like he's got all the accolades in the world i mean he grew up in minnesota you know then one, he's one. drafted then he does everything wins an mvp and he's just humble and you sort of sometimes you're like is this fake and then you just realize it is not he's genuinely the nicest person that i've ever met in my life yep so. shout out to joe shout out yeah. joe have you ever been ejected yeah once what happened so it was a game against the mariners i'm trying to think it was 16 maybe 16 or 17 i think it was 16 and gave up like four in the first so i was already pissed to start that to right into the game um we're I think I gave up one more. It was five five nothing. We battled it back. It was five to four. I was in the sixth inning, made it to the sixth, so I was like on the up and ups. It's a one nothing game again in my head. And there's guy uh bases are empty, two outs. <laughs> I, I, I as you can see I remember very yeah. very clearly. <laughs> um I wanna say it was Leonis Martin hitting when he was still with the Mariners, but I might be incorrect on that one. Um through Two splits, back-to-back. Two-two count. Should have been strike three on two-two. Run it back three-two. Move it a little more over the plate. Kirk Casale, another name, makes it look beautiful. It's inside to a lefty. Umpire sitting right there, staring right over the top of it. I start walking off thinking, you know, we're out of it. Six innings. 
feel okay with how it kind of – Exactly. He balls me on it. I'm at like 100 and some odd pitches. I know I'm done. So we just kind of had it out right there, and I just threw my hands up. But I'm like, Jerry Meals. So, yeah, and I like I, I don't hold any grudges against umpires or anything like that. I just, like, I'll always remember that. I'll always remember the umpire that threw me out for the first time. And, um, you know, obviously I threw my hands up. I was like, where, where is that? Like, where are both of those? And he tells me they're inside, and I just said, no, they're, they're not inside. They're, you know, they're right over the plate. I'm looking at it right here, you know. Trying, it's just a weird thing. I was like, I'm gonna give it my best effort with still trying to be a little bit respectful in the fact. But um, yeah, we disagreed, and I was done. And he, you know, gives you the hey, that's enough type of thing. And I, I think I said, I was like, well, I'm already out of here anyway, so might as well. Let's just let's just get over. And then you go inside, you look at it, you're like. Okay, those were strikes. I'm not crazy. Because if they weren't, I would have, I would have, you know, sought them out and be like, hey, I was wrong, man. I'm, I can admit that. But you look at it and you're like, okay, I wasn't crazy. I thought I saw what I saw, and I did. But that's just a matter of opinion when it comes in. Pitchers have a lot shorter of a leash with an umpire than, uh, than hitters do. It turns out. So especially when you kind of make a. I made a walk from home, from yeah, the mound to hitters, home. And, hitters can sneak it in. Like yeah, slide. exactly. So yeah. I have no hard feelings uh, against him this day. I think he's umpired a few of my games since then. It's just one of those things like, oh, I got one on the books, and, and that's it, and hopefully it'll stay that way unless it's a fiery situation at some point. How often are you going and checking pitches in between innings if you think they're you don't know where they are? I check pitches in between innings every inning just because I, I want to see what – you know, catchers can make the pitches look so good a lot of times that you almost get tricked by you get a ball called and you're like, man, that looked really good. Um, am I – what's he saying? Is it off? Is he have it down? Whatever it is. And then the ultimate check is to go inside and look at on the video and say, okay, well, that was more off than what I thought. He brought it back a little bit, brought it up a little bit. So I, I like to look at each thing. And then it also helps you remember what you did sequencing-wise to that hitter. So I, I kind of use that as a tool of – going forward off facing this guy the next time what I do to him the first time because they're checking the same stuff there they know what you did to him the first at bat so it's that pitcher catcher hitter cat and mouse game yeah exactly so you kind of have to stay one above it but it's a good a good check system of am I seeing it correctly or is it uh you know garb does a good job presenting pitches so you might be tricked here and there last one nine of you versus nine of ploof Brian Plouffe, and he was a pitcher in high school. I was a hitter in high school, too. Okay. (laughs) Give me this mic. (laughs) I need to defend myself. You go first. I win. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't seen you swing, so this is going to be tough for me. I got a couple hits, a couple RBIs. Did we look up my stats? Because they're probably not good. No, we didn't look up our stats again. We were talking about it, but we didn't look it up. Five seconds. Five seconds. What, What are we taking, like... Are we all like my glory days of when I was a hitter in high school compared to my pitching now, or like do you get to pick and choose what player you are? I think um, you know what peak I mean. Pitcher, peak hitter. Okay. I think you probably. But what about peak many- pitcher for you when you were in high school? No. Can you take your high school stuff and bring it out? No, just just as a position player. Okay. Yeah, I. These questions we've kind of been asking guys, and I'm starting to side on the on the side of the pitchers. Because how many runs am I going to put up against Jake Odorizzi as a hitter? Four? But five? Is that 
that number. That's, I'm, I'm just, I mean, that's <laughs> no, the, the I'm way, I, the way I'm thinking about it is if you, if we would play this out and you got nine at bats continuously off me, like you were the mm, only hitter, that's true. I you would start like getting into that. Question. You would start getting into that. Okay, I've seen him once, <laughs> twice, three times, and now it's nine times later. And oh god, <laughs> you ready for your stats? Eight plate appearances, seven at bats, so one walk. That was back in fourteen. Two hits. Okay. Two eighty six. Two eighty six. No extra base hits. Not great slugging. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. So a six sixty one OPS. Three seventy five on three seventy five on base percentage there. Yeah, three for eight when it comes down to it. How many strikeouts? Three. Okay, we're this, is, this is pretty even. Three for three. Yeah. <laughs> you get three, I get three. We can, yeah. we can piece together the rest. So we're playing into 20 innings, apparently. How's your defense, though? Oh, Top defense. Notch. Top <laughs> notch. Pretty good, yeah. What's your, if you had to play position for an inning or a game, what would you feel most confident in? Somewhere on the infield. We, we've yeah? talked about this. Um, Gibby and I used to talk about this all the time. Who was just talking. Yeah. He was always going to be the replacement outfielder. Okay. He was always shagging and running around, and he would be the first to tell you that he was going to be the outfielder. You know, you, he's, it. he's heard it. I was I played shortstop when I was growing up, high school, whatever it okay. is. So that I'm way more comfortable on the infield. And I think pitching too, like ground balls, like you, we get ground balls a lot more than anything CGF else. Letters. So yeah, back in the back in the day, it used to really back be, but that pitching is really hampered. Oh, you're that. still doing all right in your yeah. day. <laughs> you're still doing pretty I, but good. I say back in the day, I mean like 17, 18, when we were all just. <laughs> At our peak physical form of uh, you could do anything when you're when you're a high school kid, but uh, no, I, I think. Let's say tie. We tie. Yeah, I'm fine with I'm fine with the push. Tie. Yeah, Jake wins. Um, <laughs> I, I you know, spring training, family and stuff is here. Uh, you got anything for us or Trevor as part of the media now? Uh, if you have any questions, now's the time. No, Trev. Trev seen Trev. He makes the appearances at the uh, the Hall of Fames for the Twins coming out yeah. and. He makes his pit stops around, so I actually get to see him. He's pretty popular. Yeah. He, he was getting some big love today. Exactly. A little little juice, he little keeps juice. calling it. He exactly, calling and it. I think oh. that's uh, – honestly, like, the way Minnesota treats their ex-players is pretty special with you know compared to a lot of places that I've been. And they, they do a really good job of – even if, you know, it's been two years, three years, five years, ten years, whatever it may be, like, you come back and you're, like, you're part of the group again, so – they do a really nice job, and it's it's fun to see everybody. Like you know, he, he comes back. Morneau's there all the time. Uh, Joe, Tori, Hawk, like all these people. There's just a good. It's always fun to have. I hate this is gonna be an ugly word. Ex players, <laughs> come come back and like get to hang out and talk. You know, because it's when you're when you're out of a locker room, it's like the off season. You, it's kind of weird to get your lingo back in order and be a normal person when it comes to you get back in the locker room and there's so much that that dynamic is so much different and when you come back you just see everybody like light up and it's like man this is this is fun again for a couple days so it's uh they do a really good job here cool yeah thanks for sitting down with us man we appreciate for sure it. guys thanks for having me let you get back to your family and your off day now <laughs> yeah right <laughs> every day and that was jake odorizzi a teammate of ploof fun conversation with him he was great Beforehand, afterwards, we uh, chatted with him quite a bit. He's a good, good buddy of yours. Smart guy. That's what I, I like talking baseball with him. Talking anything with him, just because he's got good insight. Yeah, cool. All right, we'll be back tomorrow with another mini episode and a mini episode after that. And then on Monday, Jake will be in studio with me. Wow. 
to run down whatever's happening. We had to take a deep look at everything that's happening across the league and all that uh, and catch you up on some news. So with that, we're out. See you tomorrow. See you later.